existing deals. It is a common standards. It is openness. That's a key word. And it's free flow of cross-border data with the U.S.-Japan digital trade agreement as a model. So I think, indeed, exactly. it's quite significant. As Kurt Campbell, the Asia specialist <laughs> in the Biden administration, the U.S. will step up its game. Well, thank you all very much. Great to hear you. You heard there Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent over in Washington, D.C. Stuart Allcroft, Chairman of City Trust, Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Around Asian stock markets this morning, they're mainly in the red. The SX200 down 0.1% in Australia. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is off a third of a percent. And uh, over in South Korea, the Cosby is down 0.4%. And futures markets indicating a decline of about a third of a percent for the Hang Seng at the open. Brent crude oil is slightly lower, $76.32 a barrel. Gold is trading at $1,806 an ounce. And that's it from me. Do please stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Anna Fenton in just a moment. The weather forecast for today, fine. It's going to be very hot during the day with a maximum temperature of around 35 degrees and the outlook is for it to be very hot in the next couple of days. A few showers on Friday and during the weekend. The observatory has the very hot weather warning in force right now. It's 30 degrees, 74% relative humidity. The time's 8.31 and a half. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The United States says it's not yet ready to announce new policies on Hong Kong, despite reports that it's about to warn American businesses here of risks from what it says is a decline in the rule of law. Beijing has hit out at U.S. suggestions that rights are under threat from the national security law and accused Washington of interfering with China's internal affairs. Reports say the new advice to businesses could be issued as soon as Friday. A veteran American businessman in Hong Kong, Jim Thompson, says he doesn't think U.S. companies will stop doing business in the SAR. The chairman of Crown Worldwide says many businesses here also operate on the mainland and know the risks. I don't think that anybody's going to change their method of doing business or, or, or leave this region. You know, this is, this is the Asian century. There's no question about that. This is where the people, the money and everything are. And I think most businesses know they have to be here. And frankly, there's no better place to operate from than in Hong Kong, uh, which is so close to China. So I, I truly believe that uh, this is going to have zero impact on American businesses in Hong Kong. President Biden has accused Republican-controlled states of mounting a dangerous attack on free and fair elections in the United States by restricting voting rights. In an impassioned speech in Philadelphia, he warned that American democracy was facing its most significant test since the Civil War. There's an unfolding assault taking place in America today, an attempt to suppress and subvert the right to vote fair and free elections. An assault on democracy, an assault on liberty, an assault on who we are. For make no mistake, bullies and merchants of fear, peddlers of lies are threatening the very foundation of our country. The deployment of hundreds of troops has failed to prevent a fifth day of violent unrest and looting in South Africa. At least 72 people have been killed and about 800 have been arrested since protests erupted in response to the jailing of the former president, Jacob Zuma. Looters have again ransacked shops in the provinces of KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng. The leader of South Africa's opposition, Democratic Alliance, John Steenhuisen, said police had lost control of the situation. 
We are completely in support of government's efforts, but we believe they should be intensified. We believe there needs to be a massive deployment of the South African National Defence Force in KwaZulu-Natal. I've been on the ground in communities for most of today, and it, the police are completely overwhelmed and have completely lost the initiative. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today, Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. Today we're talking about taxes and we're talking about Afghanistan. Hong Kong insurers have called for devices to be installed in taxis to monitor bad driving and, they say, slash the number of road accidents before premiums can come down. This comes after the taxi industry complained about skyrocketing insurance rates with the average annual premiums rising by some more than 20%. Well, what do you think? Uh, would black boxes help? Do you think taxis have a lot of accidents? Have you ever been in a dangerous taxi ride or even been involved uh, in an accident? Let us know your thoughts and your experiences. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bankchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, bankchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us. And our telephone number is 233-88266. That's 233-88266. After 9.15, we're going to be discussing the latest situation in Afghanistan. What will happen after the US-led coalition finally uh, pulls out? Will the Taliban take over the country? And uh, what will China do in that uh, situation? Uh, once again, we want to hear from you. You can email bankchat at rthk.hk, or you you can uh, go to our Facebook page. We've got some co- Facebook comments we'll get to in a moment. Uh, or you can check those out for yourself. Um, or, or we've also got some uh, emails. Maybe just before we get into the topic today, quick one uh, from Alonzo uh, on an unrelated issue. Uh, the subject line is Hot Pot Trio. Uh, Alonzo says, I agree with Michael Tin that the government should disclose more details about the Hot Pot Dinner, even if you believe Carrie Lamb's assertion that the three senior government officials didn't know how much the meal would cost. I would like to know what the connection is between the three individuals and developer Evergrande. It should be pointed out that Evergrande isn't just another property company. It's the world's most indebted real estate group with 750 billion uh, renminbi in debt and a staggering 1.95 trillion renminbi in total liabilities. Indeed, concerns about Evergrande's financial health have caused its Hong Kong shares to more than half over the past 12 months, while some of its US dollar bonds are trading as little as 66 cents on the dollar. That's from uh, Alonzo. Thanks very much indeed for that. On today's topic, uh, Mr Tang says, in an email. Taxi drivers should drive safely. I'm a regular taxi passenger and it's common practice for taxi drivers to have multiple phones mounted on the dashboards of their vehicles. They're either communicating with their peers about ride hailing or passengers locations using their phones. I'm always amazed at their multitasking skills which may be comparable to a pilot's yet I'm at the same time worried about my personal safety. In all fairness though the great majority of them still manage to drive safely. The dwindling number of passengers owing to the pandemic may may have caused taxi drivers to be more desperate in terms of maximising profit, hence driving more aggressively. However, for the sake of their own safety and that of passengers, please exercise prudent judgement when driving, as passengers are entrusting taxi drivers with their lives. A safe ride is a humble request. That is from Mr Tang. Joining us now, we have Tony C, Assistant Professor in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at the Polytechnic University. Uh, James Ockenden, who's a founder and editor of the uh, newspaper Transit Jam and producer of the radio show Wham Bam Tram. And later we're going to be talking to a spokesperson from the Taxi and PLB uh, Association. Uh, Mr Ockenden, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Good morning. 
morning. Thanks so much indeed for, for, for joining us. So, uh, as I said, uh, according to reports, the, the, the taxi drivers are concerned about the increase in premiums. Uh, the insurers say this is just because there are uh, more accidents and that uh, devices or black boxes uh, would, would help uh, in that. Uh, what do you make of all this? Whose side are you on? Well, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, black boxes are, in, in general, a good idea. But the question is why we don't have them on all cars. I mean, they're actually very simple technology, uh, sort of GPS-based, or these things which plug into cigarette lighters and which can record uh, sort of braking information and steering information from pretty much every modern car. So, you know, why are we not rolling these out to all cars? Road safety is a huge problem in Hong Kong. Uh, when it comes to taxes, I mean, the taxi industry is in such a mess that I think that, that the black box isn't going to solve it. It's just like a sticking plaster on a, on a severed jugular, you know, because if you look at the, the way taxis are hired out to the drivers, there's a, there's a stand down just outside my office, and it's basically a guy with a suitcase full of keys and a book, and people queue up, and they sort of mark down who's took which taxi, and it's just, you know, there's nothing wrong with a, with a paper-based system, but it's open to abuse, and the taxi owners just don't know who's driving a cab at any particular time. So a black box isn't going to really help that unless you actually overhaul the whole system. What about this point about the insurance? Why are the premiums going up uh, like this? Because, uh, after all, they're, they're insuring uh, the car, aren't they, not the driver? So whoever's delegated to be the driver doesn't make much difference. Yeah, I think this part of the problem is that accidents have been going up. Well, at least the insurance industry says the, the number of accidents is going up. There's also a huge problem with, uh, with so-called uh, champity, which is people um, being coached by lawyers to perhaps upgrade their accident and take legal action, which is costing the insurance industry quite a lot. And I've actually gone undercover to the road accident um, unit in Wan Chai. You know, if you're, if you're an accident victim, you can go there and get some compensation. And I went there, you know, posing as an accident victim. And as I came out, I was pounced on by lawyers who wanted me to, you know, take their services and, and sue other people, which is all going to cost the insurance company money. And this is, this is quite a big problem. I don't think the government's doing much about that. That's interesting. Well, is, is that legal to do that? Sort no, of? it's absolutely illegal. But there's been no prosecutions against that, of course. It's typical road safety or road uh, <laughs> uh, lackadaisical um, from, the, from the officials who haven't really tackled this problem. Uh, and so, I mean, that's not the taxi driver's fault, is it? So there's a being, there are unfair claims being lodged. Cause yeah, that's not the taxi driver's fault at all. I mean, yeah, so there, there's a whole industry based around this. The legal profession needs to take, take a hard look at itself as well, I'd say. Okay. Can I just bump in with some number crunchy statistics here on real-time accidents? These are TD and police figures. Uh, 2016 compared with 2020, accidents in taxis in 2016 were 3,000... 850, that's 14%. Now, by the time we get to 2020, the number of taxi journeys is down um, six to 660,000, but there are 29% accidents. So we've gone less taxi journeys, but more accidents. So it's now more risky to take a taxi than ever before. Yeah. The, well, the accident rate's going up. It's actually, I mean, it's the second, it's, it's only behind motorcycles in terms of danger now, uh, taking a taxi. So, uh, um, although the taxi drivers do also bear the brunt of that, you know, they're the ones getting injured as well as the passengers. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's hard to say why that's increasing, perhaps uh, slightly higher speeds on the road with, with less traffic in the pandemic, or as uh, one of your emailers pointed out, perhaps more aggressive driving. Um, perhaps the, uh, the ride-hailing apps are, are um, you know, people are distracted, the drivers are distracted 
but still there's the problem that the owners the owners need to take responsibility for knowing who's in the cab and only then can you have a system that's fair so if there's a good driver he's still going to have to pay high premiums because they just they just uh, insure the car not the actual driver so there's no incentive for a driver to to drive well really and this is all loaded <clears throat> rather bizarrely isn't it that the dri the owner is still responsible uh, for what happens to his car, and it, his car can be impounded for six months if there is an accident and it's, there's an investigation. But he still doesn't seem to want to take responsibility for what the driver does. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just the taxi trade seems to be treating these things as assets. Um, I'm not quite sure. I think perhaps the, the ownership of the asset is worth more than the, the revenue. I'm not sure about that. I, I, I'm not, not really an expert on that. Uh, Anna, you, sorry, you said 14% and 29%. I didn't yeah. understand what the 14 and 29%... Um, percentage bit. of taxi, daily taxi journeys that result in accidents. There's, you see, the number, of <clears throat> the number of taxi journeys has been declining over the years quite steeply. So but now... It can't be that 29% of taxi journeys end in accidents. Uh, no, but well, one in four taxis one is in involved in a traffic accident over, over a year. Yeah, uh, I mean, the statistics aren't very good, really. No. Um, Is that over a year? Yeah. Over yeah. a year, yeah. So one in four taxes, or more than one in four taxes, so 29%. So almost one in three taxes is involved in an accident every year. Okay. So that could be a bump, you know, not, not necessarily, a, you know, something dangerous. But, uh, but the number of taxis has declined, and yet the, the accidents have gone up. We had one million taxis on the road in... Uh, no, sorry, one million taxi journeys uh, on the road uh, in 2013 down to 889,000 in 2018. So we have 1,100 less journeys a day, which could be due to Uber or the increase in private car ownership. Also, the last couple of years have been affected by the protests and COVID. So um, there are other factors. Fewer journeys and more accidents. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, uh, Professor Z is with us, uh, Tony Z. Is, uh, okay. Uh, Professor, good morning to you. Thanks so much Thank for, you. For, for joining us once again. Can you explain what the, what, uh, you're the expert, what, what's this, the uh, accident situation statistically? Yeah. I think James also raised an issue that the tax driver they are on the, uh, say, individual base, but say the franchise bus or the public life bus, they are the employer of uh, some operator, which they have uh, better management. Say, uh, if we look at the statistic also about the uh, minibus, actually the number of accidents uh, involving the light bus uh, go down, especially after the uh, five years ago, they are... Uh, by law, they are required to install the black blocks and also the speed limit dis display. After that, actually, the number of accidents involving the public lights bus decreased uh, from 1,100 to 900 only. So actually, we see that uh, such a safety device or some uh, technology can actually help reduce the accident. How does it reduce? Because surely it only makes a difference afterwards if you have an accident and then somebody looks into it. Is it does, or, or, you know, how, how does like the speed display, which you uh -huh. see in, in uh, minibus, how does that actually prevent accidents? I think it's also because of the perceptions of the passengers. They, if you see the uh, response or feedback from the Facebook, you see the uh, passenger actually are not quite satisfied with the text surface. But uh, say... Uh, for the minibus, uh, in recent years, they installed the uh, different kind of technology or news device, which actually in improved the perceptions of the passengers that they are more willing to travel on the minibus. 
And, and with the black boxes, what do they record? What information do they pass on? And, and, and how does that help? Uh, I'm not sure in this kind of thing, but usually they record the positions and also the speed at the locations. So um, actually it takes some time or some effort to analyze the data that come from the black box. Not, not that automatic. Uh, uh, automatic. So it's similar to a tachograph on a truck, or indeed a taxi in Singapore, which has always had a speed governor on it. Uh, yes, but there is some effort uh, afterward to extract the data and do some analysis. Uh, usually, oh, it could be after the accident, the uh, investigator they take out the data and do the analysis, but not really uh, day by day. They keep doing the uh, analysis or monitoring. In, in Singapore, so speed governor, so they actually can't go above a certain speed. Oh, yeah, speed. it makes a funny knocking noise when the taxi goes above a certain speed on the highway. Oh, yeah, I remember, actually, yeah, and you drive around and just mm. that noise is there all the time, basically, because they kind of ignore it sometimes. Um, James Ockett, you, you were talking about the value of, of black boxes. Well, actually, you know, how, how do they help? And if it's a, something like... I don't know, crossing lanes or not indicating, all those sorts of things, won't Yeah, be. that's not going to be covered. Yeah. I mean, the, base, the most basic thing is going to be GPS, so it's going to know your speed <clears throat> and your position. But it's, it'd have to be quite smart to know if you've cut uh, a red light, for example. That would require sort of smart city initiative to actually, um, you know, we've got like vehicles, <clears throat> vehicle-to-vehicle technology is, is growing now, and also vehicle-to-street technology, which we're seeing in South Korea, whereby there's sensors on the streets and they talk to the vehicles, and it's all, that's, that's pretty clever, and that's pretty smart, and there's some pilot zones in South Korea talking about that now. Well, that has um, to be there, doesn't it, for the driverless car technology? Well, exactly, yeah, so they're trialling everything there in this sort of sandbox in, in Seoul. They've got the, the, the autonomous cars, but also they can do quite smart things with, well, with parking, they can get the car, you know, they can uh, release parking spaces, and they can, uh, they can check for traffic offences as well. So, but it does require, a, it's an infrastructure, it's not just something you can stick on the car and, and away you go. Um, there's also, you know, there's the issue, if this isn't going to be linked to enforcement or to the police, like the smart parking meters, which are not linked to the police. So, you know, there's really, there's not much supporting this technology. You can't just bolt it onto a car and expect results. So there has to be some form of accountability built in, surely, for the drivers to feel that there's an incentive to drive better. I mean, th this argument keeps coming up with the buses, um, um, most recently NLB was talking to the Mark Savaro, the guy, Savelli, the guy who runs the NLB buses, and he was anti the idea of putting any kind of a black box on the buses because that would be visible, that the, the performance of the bus would be visible to the, dri to the passengers because he felt that the uh, drivers would feel um, very self-conscious and uncomfortable about that. But what do you think about the well, issue I of mean, accountability? Yeah, I mean, you, you know when the bus rams on the brakes and everyone falls to the front. I mean, yeah. <laughs> surely the bus driver doesn't... You know, if he feels no shame at that, he's not going to feel any shame at the uh, screen pointing out his speed, is he? So uh, there does need to be accountability. I mean, the insurance industry is asking for a handout for this, and I think the insurance industry could actually lead this because I think we see in other markets where if you have a device on your car and you drive better, you get lower premiums. So there's actually a direct benefit. And I think that's what the insurance company is talking about. Why we as taxpayers should pay for that, I don't know, because it's you know, their risk management is improving their business. Well, the amount talked about is $6 per fare, isn't it, that we would have to pay extra, so the cost just gets passed on to the passenger. Yeah, and that's a hefty, hefty increase on a 24 or whatever dollar taxi ride. So, um, you know, let's see, the, let's see the insurance industry showing some leadership here. They claim they've made no money from taxi underwriting in the last uh, you know, 10 to 15 years. 
but insurance companies are loaded. If you go and visit any insurance company, you'll see how much money they've got. If, if it must be some creative accounting to say that they've really made no money from insurance in Hong Kong in the last 15 years. Well, they wouldn't be in that business if they didn't make any money, would right. they? <laughs> but they're in Letco. They're crying. We've made no money for the last 10 years. Uh, so why are you still in the business? And where, where, you know, the government's giving the insurance business so many handouts in terms of you know, the medical insurance, access to the mainland market. It's, it's rolling in cash. So they can't really use that as an excuse. And taxpayers definitely should not be funding this. Right. Uh, Jim H says, slightly better than Hong Kong. Great Britain, Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore. My experience, my opinion and experience of most professional. Improved MTR routes, ride-hailing competition has affected taxi ridership. It's possible drivers will rush, trying to obtain maximum riders during their shift. Why focus on accidents? Insurance companies are greedy, uh, says uh, Jim H. Uh, Guy says, is there a breakdown of the taxi accident stats by region, II between red, green and blue? That's a good question. Does anyone know if uh, other different I'm separate sure figures? there are, but you'd have to do a big dive into the TD statistics to get that out because they don't put the publish, publish yeah, these numbers easily. Exactly. You'd have to go through that database and they, they put spaces in the numbers and they make it very hard to analyze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, David says the problem with taxis is not speed but just poor driving skills. Witness a taxi trying to reverse out of the way of an oncoming car and you will know what I mean. That comes uh, from uh, David. And comments on, on our Facebook page. Uh, Nigel says, I'm amazed that with five screens in front of the driver, he can see where he's going, let alone the impact on his attention with all the distraction they're causing. Surely this is a basic traffic regulation breach. Why don't the Hong Kong police force enforce it? Despite all this technology, a Hong Kong driver still won't go to Kowloon. Revert to Uber if you want to cross the harbour. It's still it's not worth the argument. That comes uh, from Nigel. What about the issue of the, uh, of the screens? Professor C, um, is, it, is it legal? to have the you know the when you've got like five phones or i think i counted up to eight phones uh, once in front yes, of a driver uh, the issue is quite tricky i think because the current law only indicate that it's the not a handheld one but they attach it to the dashboard but the issue would be about the distraction that you you will see uh, in the past the the text driver they use the radio or to walk the walkie talkie to pick up the the surface but now they they use this kind of uh, technology to chase uh, for for the 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 trip so it's, it it could be a issue we we actually know that the distraction could be a very uh, serious issue to traffic safety i mean is there a case for just for kind of upgrading taxes uh, in, in Hong Kong to charging a lot more and so it would attract uh, younger drivers uh, it would attract um, uh, newer vehicles uh, and so on and just basically improving the situation by making it more expensive and because and, it, it seems to be sort of getting lower and lower down the down the pole at the moment Tony C? Yeah, yes but there's some some years ago there have been some discussion about say providing more premium service like say increasing the number of seats in the taxi or providing the service for say the disabled pe people but uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether it's effective to, to help them to increase to, or to push up uh, the, the, the business for them yeah. uh, okay um, Rick says uh, can someone please ask a question for me this is not specifically related to taxes but Rick said is overtaking on the inside legal or not in Hong Kong uh, it is in the uh, UK uh, and other developed countries. 
Uh, it's prevalent here and extremely dangerous. And it comes from Rick. Mr. Ockenden, do you know anything about uh, I, I don't know if that's illegal or not, but it's uh, certainly uh, dangerous and careless. And if there was an accident and you were seen doing that, I think then you would probably be more uh, likely to to get uh, a careless or dangerous driving charge. Okay. Uh, Charles, in an email, says the simple statistics are great but need analysing. A simple view of when the accidents happen would be a great start. Daytime, from experience, is generally uh, good. Drivers, whereas at nighttime, the cowboys appear, cherry-picking and the like. That comes from Charles. Do we know? Are there more accidents at night during the, during the day? Uh, I haven't looked at this, but the issue would be that it could be more, more likely to be more serious or involving the fatal accident in the nighttime because the traffic volume is uh, much low and also the speed are very high. Yeah. Yeah, that is quite often the case, isn't it? When you see accidents, big accidents reported in the news, they happen at two and three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, uh, I know. Um, what, what, uh, James Ockin, what, what's your take on the issue of the of the screens, uh, the multiple screens, which are... Yeah, I mean, that's obvi obviously an issue, and, and, and using mobile phones while driving is a huge thing, and the police have been trying to cr crack down on this, and they've got these mobile vans which go around, and they sort of hang around the tunnels, um, because it's very hard to catch that, actually. A fixed camera on the street isn't going to catch that. Um, so they sort of drive past with their video, with a guy in the back with a video camera looking at it, because obviously, yes, distraction like that is going to cause a crash. Um, another problem with those screens. Sorry, could you say that again? I, I didn't know. I know this. So, so, so they hang around tunnels. Yeah, in a, there's a van from, yeah. uh, dedicated to this. It's a mobile video unit. It's called. It's a quite a new thing. And then, and then there's a guy in the back with a video camera, and he's like a mobile video. Um, and he'll video people on their phones and then they'll, they'll prosecute them. I don't know how many they've caught yet, but I know they started this. So watch out if you're going through a tunnel. Okay, so you'd have to be holding the... Again, it's a question of whether it's handheld. If it's yes, you need to be holding it. So if it's stuck to the dashboard, I think that's a grey area if you're touching the buttons. Because obviously most cars now come with these sort of touchscreens as well. So if touching a phone like that is, is illegal, then so would touching a touchscreen. So I think there's some issues there that need to be addressed. But another thing with the touchscreens is... <laughs> Excuse me. The taxi, the taxi technology. Often, Uber drivers have complained to me that the system is sending them in, on illegal routes or perhaps dangerous routes. So, the system is telling them to do a U-turn, which is illegal and dangerous. So then you've got another factor here, which is you know the technology is not really helping safety. It's actually making road safety worse. This is the sat nav. Yeah, the, the maps in there. And if you look at Google Maps, I was just investigating a story in Muwo about the, the car-free zone there. Google will actually send you through that car-free zone, the Google Map. Um, I think Uber uses a base around that Uber Map. So, it's, you know, there is a danger there presented by the technology. Technology is not going to save us, basically. Do you, do you think it's dangerous? Do you think it's... Uh puts people at risk when you have lots of uh, phones like that in, in a taxi? Yeah, I think so, of course. There's so many. The, the distraction, because they're all pinging. They're not just sitting there passively. They're bright lights and they're, they're competing for attention. They're designed to get your attention. So, so that is, uh, is definitely a danger, yes. My driver last night was running the call centre. He was dispatching all the cabs as we were driving. So he had six <clears throat> ones clamped to his dashboard and one handheld. Right. And buying stock with the other one, probably. Oh, online shopping, no doubt. <laughs> Uh, Tony C, why, why do they have so many phones? I've never understood that. Do you know why they have so many phones? I think they, they need to uh, have, um, say, subscribe to many different channels to, say, to get more business. 
that that why they have more than one mobile phone. And I see sometimes that maybe one one of them is the uh, manager or dispatch yeah. that they and then they sub yeah subordinate the the, the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Ockerham, what, what do you think about the idea of just sort of uh, upgrading the whole thing, doubling the fares, uh, giving taxi drivers a, a, a decent wage, yeah. maybe reducing the numbers on the streets, but upgrading the the general quality of the industry? Yeah, I think it's it's an, you know what do we want? What do we want about taxis? You know, do we want this premium service? And I, I wouldn't personally be. I don't use taxis very often, but um, yeah, I would, I would certainly rather get in a taxi and pay you know fifty dollars instead of thirty dollars. If it's not smelling of cigarette smoke, and if the driver's not, you know, just completely distracted by trying to get other fares, so I mean, it's not for. I think that's a debate we've got to have, and it's something we're not talking about really. We're not talking about whether what is the future of the taxi industry in, in Ledgeco. We're just sort of doing these patches to try and solve some of the immediate problems. So, is it the case that TD won't provide oversight? It just seems that neither TD, the owners, or the drivers are motivated to change anything yeah well td will never change anything th transport and housing bureau i, I think frankie yick said this in Ledgeco. it's that, like there, there are better ideas out there but if you wait for thp to do anything you'll be waiting you know decades so that's the problem is the the government doesn't seem to want to take the leadership to actually stand up and say okay what do we want from the taxes and how are we going to do it yeah these are the people that say sleeping policemen are dangerous <laughs> and bicycles are dangerous they say that also a lot Okay, well, we're going to take a break now and, and come back to this topic uh, with, uh, we hope, uh, a spokesperson from uh, Taxi Drivers uh, Taxi Association, the Hong Kong Taxi and PLB Association. Later, also, we're going to be talking about uh, developments, dramatic developments uh, in Afghanistan, how that will ap- uh, affect the people of Afghanistan as well as uh, the US and uh, China. Uh, stay tuned for that. We also welcome your questions, of course, as ever. Backchat at rthk.hk uh, is the place to send them or go to our Facebook page. We've got some comments to share. After the news, before the news, the weather, uh, in a word, fine. It's going to be very hot today. Temperatures up to about 35 degrees and there will be some isolated showers. There's a very hot weather warning in place. Now, that looks still very hot in the next couple of days. 30 Celsius now with a relative humidity of 74%. Also, 10, 20 minutes. uh, Later, we're going to be talking about uh, Afghanistan uh, with developments there with the uh, U.S. Uh, forces and their uh, allies uh, leaving uh, the country, the Taliban taking over large areas. What would be the implications for the people of Afghanistan as well as for the US and for China, uh, which has a tiny little border uh, with uh, Afghanistan? Uh, we want to hear from you on uh, anything that's on your mind. You can call us on 233-88266. You can go to our Facebook page and comment there. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Or, of course, you can email us on uh, our address is backchat at RTHK hk.hk we'll do our best to read out your messages backchat at rthk.hk uh, is the uh, address we're talking uh, this morning to uh, tony c assistant professor in the department of civil and environmental engineering at the polytechnic university uh, james ockenden founder and editor of the transit jam newspaper and producer of the radio show wan bam tram we're also joined now by godwin ching a spokesperson for the hong kong taxi and plb uh, association a um, couple of uh, comments, first of all, one from John Kowloon, who says, I was surprised to hear Anna Fenton on this morning's back chat after her decision to discontinue her role as a co-host last year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't she quit because of concerns about freedom of speech? If so, what has prompted her to return? Correct him because um, he's wrong. I'll correct you. I think you're mixing me up with Rachel Cartland. I never, um, <laughs> never made any such decision. 
Right. Okay. Uh, on Facebook, Les says, Asia's world city is continually let down by the poor service offered by its taxi companies and cabbies. You would think that if one spent so much time driving, one would be a proficient driver. Many Hong Kong taxi drivers are not. Hong Kong taxi drivers rarely use indicators. They change lanes erratically. They rarely use their mirrors. And many don't know how to use roundabouts. As a pedestrian, motorcyclist and occasional car driver, I've had many close calls with taxis. As a frequent taxi passenger, because Uber is illegal, cameras would be a welcome addition if they helped improve the standard of driving. Cameras should also be used to monitor customer service. Unfortunately, many taxi drivers are rude and arrogant. On second thoughts, the government should just legalise Uber, perhaps cleaner, better maintained vehicles with drivers who know they're being rated uh, by the passenger will help Hong Kong taxis improve their game. That comes uh, from uh, Les, Les uh, on our Facebook page. Agree or disagree? Let us know. Bankchat at rthk.hk. Uh, Godwin Ching. Mr Ching, good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us today. I mean, a lot of criticism of, uh, of taxes. What, what about this issue of the, of the safety of, uh, of taxes? Um, there seems to be uh, evidence that uh, 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 taxes are crashing more. There are more accidents uh, uh, in, in, in taxes, and that's why uh, insurers are charging higher premiums. Is it as simple as that? Well, let me, let me explain a, a little bit about the current situation of the taxi market. As you may know that because of the COVID-19, there is a lot of uh, food delivery, right, in, in, the, in the market. A lot of people are not going out to eat and then order a lot of food from different restaurants. So you will see a lot of bicycles uh, using bicycles to deliver the food. Well, it may be, a issue, it may be an issue that creates more traffic accidents. Well, in the whole car market, not just only on taxi, I would say. So you're so, blaming the food delivery guys for no, the rise in crashes? Blaming. No, I'm not blaming. I'm just, I'm just explaining the current situation. Because in the olden days, there won't be so many food delivery, right? Okay, well, you have quite a good chance of getting um, uh, having an accident in a taxi. At the moment, there's 18,163 taxis on the road. And each year at the moment, there's 16,185 taxis involved in accidents. So that means that every taxi has a high chance of being in an accident every year. But I don't know whether you have the same figures on the, for example, the delivery van or the trucks. Do you have such kind of uh, figures also? No, I don't. I only have the taxi yep. ones. I apologize. Yep. Well, the, the, the rate is actually going down. So the accident yeah. rate overall is going down. So taxis are bucking the trend. Uh, you have checked the other, other figures? Or the overall figures? Yeah, if you look Sorry. at the, the, the casualty rate and the, and the crash rate per vehicle, uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's certainly going down. Well, anyway, well, I would say that's just uh, pointing out on the taxi uh, accident rate is increasing. I would say probably there may be some, well, some ways how to... Um, decrease the accident or how to define the responsibility of this accident. Probably not only because of the drivers. There are so many pedestrians, as I said, there are some foot delivery and other drivers in the, well, in the street. So what, what, what we, we are doing already, talking about the insurance premium, well, actually, is uh, insurance companies encouraging the taxi industry to install the car camera. Well, car camera is a good way to define 
the responsibility, whether the taxi drivers or the other pedestrian or the other drivers. So what, what they are doing is encouraging them. As I heard, some of them are giving coupons for them to install it. The best way is to get the footage and then let everybody know what is happening during the accident. Can I just stop you there? I would rather that my extra $6 went on a driver improvement program than on subsidising the profits of insurance companies. Doesn't that make more sense? And can't we focus on the driver skill, please? Oh, well, because the insurance premium is increasing quite tremendously. Because of increased accidents, that's how it works. Well, accidents, not just only by the taxi drivers. Because it happens maybe because of pedestrian or other people, right? But anyway, because taxi is a public transportation, which we need to buy the insurance in order to, 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 to well, and any cars will we, 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 uh, buy the insurance, right? But talking about the insurance premium is actually the cost of the owners on this individual public transport, unlike the MTR and like the buses, those franchise buses, right? But it's being so, cost passed on to us. We're going to pay an extra $6 per ride to, to fund the, the lack of willingness by the owners to make the drivers more responsible for driving safer. I would say taxi driver is driving safe in the street already, but there's anything unexpected, right? A insurance company is increasing the taxi premium. And the cost will go to the owners, number one. Number two, we haven't, while well, taxi trade hasn't, hasn't increased the taxi fares for many years already. The last time taxi industry asking for the increase of the fare is three, three years already. But this is a different and argument. May I just stop you there? If we're going on about increased fares, that's a completely different discussion. We're talking about the 10,000 per year increased premium per taxi not being um, paid by the owner, but being passed on in fares to the consumer, us. Well, this is just a suggestion, right? This is one of the suggestions to put six stars on the taxi fare. Where what I'm talking about, the taxi fare, is the cost of the owners. We're talking about the owners paying the insurance to the taxi company in order to operate a taxi, right? This is the cost, including the fuel or including the maintenance of the vehicle. If, if the taxi fare cannot catch up with those costs, who will operate a taxi? But right. coming at, you're coming at it from the other end, excuse me, but really, we need to look at why the, the insurance premium is going up. It's because there's more accidents. No. If you go back to the insurance company, taxi insurance is part of their business only. What they are looking at is the whole insurance industry. They will put the passenger car, they will put the commercial vehicle, of course, including the taxi, right? So this is a whole bunch of business for the insurance company. So they're not just calculating, oh, because I'm losing money in the taxi, then I increase, right? Tony C, can I ask, oh, so uh, uh, Mr. Ching was there suggesting uh, cameras, why, why do you use the cameras? Do they affect, uh, do they improve safety, do you think? But it depends oh, on what safety. can be recorded by the camera. Okay. But maybe I can supplement, according to the statistic from the transport department, say per thousand vehicle, involve um, 
only 50 or 40 are involving the motorcycle and the uh, light van, but for taxi, it's actually 260 thing per thousand. So the figure is last year or 2019? Uh, 2019. Yes, as I said, because of the COVID. So you will see very, very soon when the figures come out in 2020. But it's still five times greater than the motorcycle or any other vehicles. Why does COVID cause more accidents? As I said, because of the food delivery. One of the I reasons is the food delivery. Can I jump in there? Because because I also work as a food delivery rider and I, and I face sort of attempted murder almost every night from taxi drivers and other drivers. Can, can I ask, so, are you, sorry, are you on a bike or on a motorbike, yeah, on a, bicycle, a scooter? Yeah, on a bicycle. A bicycle, right. And, and, and I'm a very good cyclist and, and very safe. And, and this is a myth that food delivery riders are taking a lot of blame. In fact, the government tried to blame them for the rise in cyclists uh, in, in crashes recently. And But actually, figures show that only 1% of bicycle injuries in the first nine months of this year were attributed to food delivery cyclists. So I think the, the, the guys on the bicycles are actually very professional and very safe and know what they're doing. I think it's outrageous this guy is, is you know, claiming that food delivery riders and pedestrians are causing these crashes. I mean, who's he going to blame next? He'll blame the elderly for standing in front of the taxis and getting mown down on a regular basis. Sorry, can I just do an unscientific straw poll? Uh, 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 James Ockenden, you, you said you're a frequent user of taxis, or are you often... I'm not really very frequent, no, not maybe frequent. Uh, once every few weeks. Have you ever been involved in a, an accident in a taxi? I've been... I've, uh, well, many times on my bicycle, I, I've driven... I've had a taxi drive into me head first, coming down uh, Mount Davis. Um, he was in the sort of middle of the road. He shouldn't have been. Um, that a, was, as a passenger, can I ask? Uh, no, I've never been, no. Have you, Anna? Yes, you several times. Yes. Lane jumping, usually. The most recent was on Garden Road. He jumped across lanes and we were rear-ended. Oh, OK. And Tony C, have you been involved in an accident uh, in a taxi? No. Yeah. I, I would say I haven't, but there you go. Anyway, that's not, that's not scientific at all. Can tell me a little bit about the insurance premium increase? Yeah, go on. Because as we heard, yeah, as I heard from the, the insurance company, there's what. Well, I don't know the real figures, but we have heard some cases about the false claim on those accidents. Some people may, may well have an accident and they claim that, oh, I'm going to go back to work and I need, I need to take a rest for six months. And then, of course, they need to show their doctor, doctor certificate, something to prove them. But anyway, we heard that there are some false claims on the insurance, which also another way to check up the insurance premium. Have you heard anything about on that? Uh, well, it's not so much false claims, is it? But the, the current practice of the courts is to make very high personal accident awards, and all these things contribute to raised insurance premiums. However, yes. we can't get away from the statistics on taxis having lots of accidents, which is the core reason that insurance companies raise premiums, which comes back to drivers being better at their job, surely. Then maybe next time you can also involve the insurance company to let them explain why the insurance premium is checking up. Yeah, uh, Mr. Rockenden actually did, did, did in the first half, he did talk about this, about uh, people mm -hmm. making false claims or, you know, uh, lawyers yeah. who are encouraging people to, to exaggerate yeah, and make yeah, the yeah, most yeah, of yeah, their yeah. claims. Anyway, yeah. we've, got, we've got a caller on the line, I think now, Jim. Jim, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm in defense of the taxi drivers. Uh, I've lived in Hong Kong. I've owned cars, I've driven cars in Hong Kong, uh, but I've lived in a remote village in Saigon for 20, 
five years. We did not have access to the green minibus at first for a long time. We either walked or we took a taxi. The taxi drivers were always reliable, and we never had an accident in a rain or typhoon or anything else. Um, taxi drivers have to share their taxi. They can't drive 24 hours, but the many, many, many people in Hong Kong use the taxi service. They're not, they don't have the luxury of owning a polluter and driving around Hong Kong or owning a bicycle and demanding road share when they don't pay for that road share. Taxi drivers work. They try to earn an honest living. Insurance companies do not work. They simply go to let's go or somebody and say, I don't want my money. When the taxi drivers ask for an increase, it's always debated. It's always debated. We've extended now 18 districts to serve by the MTR. We have now, if it's not legal ride-sharing, we have ride-sharing. You can call and get somebody to come and get you. The taxis are competing. So they have five phones. These phones are helping them to increase their ridership by finding out who needs a taxi, who's called for a taxi. So they want to try to support their families. They want to try to earn money. The insurance companies want to take that money away from them. And people are blaming them for accidents, and that is unfair. Everybody has accidents. Everybody has accidents. So if you've been driving for eight hours and you're 78 years old and you get a little bit sleepy and you make a mistake, okay, so you have an accident. If you're driving an 18-wheeler and you have an accident, oh, so you have an accident. The taxi drivers are providing a service much needed by villagers in Hong Kong. These, these what do you call district councilors, they should be out there trying to make sure that district uh, uh, village people are represented by ride-sharing. Old people that can't get to the supermarket. So they have to try to wait for a minibus. They have to try to get a taxi down. Then try to get back up to their village with groceries. They need a taxi, not a ride hailer, because they can't afford one. They don't have mobile phones. Believe the taxi services alone. Okay. All right, a vote of support there for, for, for a taxi driver. Thank you very much indeed uh, to uh, Jim. Uh, and uh, some more comments um, from listeners. Um, uh, JR says, why should public pay for increased insurance premium to ensure taxi owners make the same return? Maybe utilities need guaranteed return to ensure necessary increase in production, but public in no way should assure taxi drivers a return on taxi investments. Hello, Uber. That comes uh, from uh, JR. Um, Jeff says, uh, remember, insurance is only paid by the person who causes the accident. So if the insurance premiums are going up, then it's because the taxi is to blame for the accident. And another thing is better enforcement of rules on the road would help because taxes, taxes endlessly block roads. I don't pull over to pick up passengers. They do emergency stops when they see someone wanting a taxi. And they also continually break the law by pressing the horn in built-up area, which itself is also illegal. So more training is not going to improve attitude. Better enforcement of the rules should be done. Uh, thanks very much indeed for, for that. Uh, Guy says perhaps, uh, Ms., uh, perhaps Godwin, sorry, Godwin can give his opinion on why the taxi experience is, Hong Kong taxi experience is so dismal compared with uh, Singapore. Mr Chen, could we be more like Singapore? Could we run our taxis more like they do in Singapore? I don't know how they do it in Singapore. Talking about the uh, well, taxi drivers' quality or the whole industry quality, for the taxi industry, 
we are doing something how how to improve the no matter on the driver and no matter on the vehicle the software and the hardware in order to to I would say more competitive as you know that there are some illegal uh illegal well well illegal riding platform or something like that so we need to make it Our government right now, of course, they are going to charge those drivers or illegally collect the money from the passengers. But on the other hand, the taxi industry itself is giving some more trainings on on the driver itself. And then you see that some new taxi, which introduced two years ago with with hybrid and then car cabin is more spacious, more comfortable in order to meet the demands of of the passengers. I would say. So, well. On the other hand, I think government should do something on it also, because uh, for the driver, it's always uh, not enough for the taxi market. We don't have we don't have drivers, so we can we cannot pick the good quality drivers to drive the, the vehicles, right? So, as you mentioned, there there may be some bad drivers and then doing a lot of bad things on the road. Well, we 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 agree on it. If you ask how to stop them, I, I think there are more than forty forty-five thousand drivers in Hong Kong. We cannot stop everybody, right? So what we are doing is, if we have abundant drivers for us to see that, I think it will be definitely increase the quality of the taxi drivers and also increase the, the trade reputation. What do you think? Well, if you can persuade younger guys to become taxi drivers, yes. But how would you do that? Well, I think this. First of all, salary. If you want to do a job, what do you think about? Of course, it's about the future and also, in other terms, making money. How can I earn enough money to survive? Right. So, as I said, three years, government hasn't increased the taxi fare. Right. So, how they can survive with a low salary? Right. Okay. Um Just sorry, we're almost out of time, but let's just finish off with a couple of comments on our Facebook page from Les. He says, "I previously lived in the Middle East. The taxi service was truly horrendous. However, when Uber entered the market, the whole uh, taxi service improved exponentially. Basically, Uber made it safer to take a taxi. The taxi companies and their drivers had to improve. It's time for the government to legalize Uber so the taxi driving, so the taxi service or offering uh, improves." Uh, and Les also says, "I can't believe the taxi association spokesperson is blaming food delivery riders. Talk about." head slapping moment that's from uh, les godwin ching thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning spokesperson for the hong kong taxi and plb uh, association many thanks to james ockenden uh, founder and editor of the uh, transit jam uh, newspaper and producer of wham bam tram and uh, to uh, tony c assistant professor in the department of civil and environmental engineering at the polytechnic university thank you all very much indeed for joining us this morning finally today we wanted to turn to uh, developments uh, dramatic developments uh, in uh, afghanistan uh, where the uh, U.S.-backed forces uh, have are now withdrawing, almost completely withdrawn uh, now, and uh, reports that the uh, Taliban um, uh, are taking over large areas of the uh, country. Uh, what are they like now? Are they the same as they were? What are the implications for the people of Afghanistan as well as for the uh, superpowers? Uh, we're joined uh, now uh, for comment by uh, Aretza Hushman, uh, who's a senior special advisor in the Global Institute of Service Leadership Education. Uh, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. 
Good morning. I am looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. So uh, there just seem to be so many unknowns. Uh, you know, reading about this, it's a question of what the Taliban are going to be like now. Nobody really knows that. Whether they will take over the country. Uh, what the reaction of the neighbours will be, and so on. Let's look at this first of all from the from the point of view of the people of Afghanistan. H- how do you think they feel? Um, you know, is there any unity there? Uh, uh, how do they feel about the withdrawal of those the, the U.S. forces? Well, it's 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 a very interesting question because uh, uh, given what we know about what the Taliban were like when they took over in the early 1990s. Uh, they have not changed at all whatsoever. The general population of the country are completely against their uh, desires to become in power again. And sadly, with uh, the U.S. having been involved for the last 20 years, uh, and the assumption was that they were going to go ahead and create a stable government and an environment that, that could possibly contribute to the well-being of that region as a whole, the country as well as the region, as you probably are aware of this, uh, the fighting that has been going on for the last 40-plus years had to do with the ideological differences between the West and the East. And this continues to be the core problem that exists currently, and that is when U.S. got involved under the notion that, that they were fighting terrorism in Afghanistan, when in fact much of that was involved by the, uh, by the Saudi Arabians and others who had attacked uh, United States, they came in to create a, a basically a government that could possibly be able to uh, follow their directions and create an environment where Iran was going in a different direction, uh, Soviet Union had fallen off, and so who should possibly be filling that vacuum? And that is what precisely they were trying to do. And the people of Afghanistan as a whole are not in the uh, groups of people who are completely opposed to these theologians and the way that they have approached uh, religion. And this is perhaps the bane of the problem that we see at the present time in the country. The country as a whole uh, are opposed to Taliban. And sadly, there is not enough of intellectual power currently in the country to be able to go ahead and... uh, and the uh, forces that are coming in from outside. Mostly this has been supported by the Saudi Arabians as well as the Pakistanis who are uh, supporting the Taliban, hoping that they can create a, uh, a state that is going to be uh, a religious environment going back to the perhaps 8th century. And this is something that the people of Afghanistan have not and will not accept. And, and sadly, this war is going to continue. Why uh, can't the Afghan army, there's been so much effort put into strengthening the Afghan army, why does it seem so uh, helpless against the Taliban? This is a very interesting point that you're making, although they are saying that they have roughly about 300,000 people in the army, and yet 75 or 80,000 Taliban are capable of going in the country, and they're basically supported subversively by the outside force, in this case particularly Pakistan, where the Taliban started in the first place, they are the ones who are by night and day sending in their people all over the country. And so they are much of the country's rural environment. They do not have 
the kind of uh, military equipment. The central government has not been very attentive to this issue. And many a time, the governors of these provinces have been calling on the central government to send assistance. And sadly, they are trying to go ahead and protect themselves in the capital city. And, and they have ignored some of these things. And including the time when General Razak in Kandahar, one of the provinces, when he stood up to go ahead and make sure that the Taliban would not get a hold of that uh, region, the central government decided to go ahead and uh, sadly assassinate and killed him uh, and, and the pretense that, that somebody was, was, was killing him. And that was the reason why they were so fearful that even he may possibly go ahead and become a powerful leader and lead the country out of the misery that there currently exists. And so that is the, uh, it's almost like a Viet Cong scenario of the uh, 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 American war in Vietnam. The Taliban are acting like Viet Cong in the various provinces throughout the country. Uh, they are damaging crops, they are burning homes, and again, these people do not have the capacity to protect themselves. They are not armed just like the Taliban are armed. And so that's the reason why the likely scenario, at least from what I hear from friends in Kabul, is, is that, that they are going to, most likely the government is going to fall unless there is some substantial uh, uh, sources of power coming from outside to support the government and bring Taliban back to the table to go ahead and have a peace discussion. And, and how do you read uh, China's uh, involvement in this? What line? Are, they, they've, you know, the the Taliban have said that they're not exactly that they welcome China, but they're not unfriendly to China, or, uh, and so on. And China sort of made non-committal sounds as well. Uh, do you think China will have a uh, will be more friendly to the Taliban than the United States? Then? This is a precisely the game that has been played around the world for so many times. Uh, every time they see that, that, that the enemy of my enemy is my friend is basically what is happening. And, and so possibly China may be sitting on the side waiting to see the opportunity to be able to go ahead and assist the Taliban, possibly. This is not yet been proven whether they have been helping them or not. However, the China has also to worry about its own Xinjiang province, and so some of the issues that are surfacing there uh, possibly has uh, a, a major role to play. I think uh, the foreign minister's visit to Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, and Tajikistan is an indication of why they are trying, China is trying very hard to make sure that the, these people will not turn around and become a center of attention for the U.S. Uh, to go ahead and perhaps take the background air force supposedly out of Kabul and build it in uh, Dushanbe or someplace else in the uh, uh, Stan regions. So China is aware of what is going on. And the question is whether the Taliban will ever be able to go ahead and uh, follow with the rules. They agreed with the U.S. that they're not going to attack the people, which they didn't attack the Americans but they did create a lot of anxiety on the part of the local population. And then they are, the killing constantly goes on. The bombing constantly goes on. It's a sort of intimidation that has to be taken place in order to uh, silence the people. And that kind of intimidation is taking place all around the world by force or by political chaos that are created in environments. 
hoping that the population will be frightened enough not to stand up and call for their own rights and what they wish to accomplish for their own countries. Okay, well, Aritza Hushman, thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning, a senior special advisor at the Global Institute of Service Leadership Education. Thank you very much indeed. Anna, many thanks to you. Uh, good to have you back. Uh, the weather is going to be fine, very hot. Temperatures up to about 35 degrees with isolated showers. And the outlook still very hot in the next couple of days, a few showers on Friday. And at the weekend, there's a very hot weather warning now with 30 Celsius and a relative humidity of 75%. When cycling, cyclists must obey the traffic laws, just like motorists, and they should respect each other. Cyclists should wear a helmet and other protective gear. At night, cyclists must show a white light at the front and a red light at the rear. Drivers should keep a safe distance from cyclists. As all vehicles have blind spots, drivers should be cautious. Drivers and cyclists have equal rights to use the road. No matter who you are, when cycling, safety comes first. 9.33, the news now with Samantha Butler. The United States says it's not yet ready to announce new policies on Hong Kong, despite reports that it's about to warn American businesses here of risks from what it says is a decline in the rule of law. Reports say the new advice to businesses could be issued as soon as Friday. President Biden has accused Republican-controlled states of mounting a dangerous attack on free and fair elections in the United States by restricting voting rights. In an impassioned speech in Philadelphia, he warned that American democracy was facing its most significant test since the Civil War. A U.S. gun company is facing a backlash after making a real pistol that looks like a children's toy made of Lego. The firm Culper Precision described the weapon in an advert as a childhood dream come to life. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer and Interpreter of Beethoven. And well, oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decipher what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. Inter interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Bonjour. Good morning. Welcome to Wednesday and happy French National Day. This is the Morning Brew and I'm Phil Whelan. Well, we've got all that covered because at 10.40 can be...